prom time. It's prom time. It's prom time. Prime time. It's prime time. Prime time power show. My four little children one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. We will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. Let freedom ring and when it happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Hearts, right? We should celebrate it because like he deserved it. He like risked his life for us to have a voice to speak up against like racism. I don't know what that dream is that you have. I don't care how disappointing it might have been as you've been working toward that dream. But that dream that you're holding in your mind, that it's possible.
Welcome to the Primetime Power Show live on Primetime Power Radio. Thank you for being a part of the broadcast and that you care. The introduction was different because we are celebrating our sixth annual MLK tribute show right here on the Primetime Power Show. We started this many years ago, every year around this time, the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and also representing MLK Day as well. So we're glad to be a part of this experience once again to be able to provide this type of uh, history lesson, which is what it is for some of us out there that may not be as familiar with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. tonight. But tonight, what we want to do, we definitely want you to be involved as well. So guess what? The Primetime Power Line is open all show. The number is 610-574-0513. Once again, the Primetime Power Line is open right now. If you want to talk to the Primetime Power Show team in relation to Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, please give us a call and interact and join into the discussion. 610-574-0513. By the way, I'm Derek May. I'm Paula Quigmore. And I'm Christina Williams. And as I mentioned, we're going to get things started right now on our show. You know, we're changing format a little bit, so you may not hear the usual segments that you normally hear on the Primetime Power Show. We always take an opportunity on an annual basis to talk about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and all the great contributions that he has contributed not only to this nation, the United States, but the impact that he has made all over the world. So just to give a little background, some people may not know or not know as much detail in relation to who Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is. So first and foremost, we're going to just give some bio information and then we're going to pause there and then we're going to just begin an open discussion with the Primetime Power Show team and we're going to go from there and that's going to be pretty much the format tonight. So once again, if you want to join in, you have a comment anything that you would like to share, even if, you know, you had some historical reference that you wanted to provide or just give your personal opinion on how things was like in the era that you lived in. Some of us out there may have lived in the era where, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King was prominent in regards to the civil rights movement and much more. So please feel free to give us a call at 610-574-0513. Primetime Power Line is open right now. So in regards to Martin Luther King Jr., he was a Baptist minister and social activist who led the civil rights movement in the United States from the mid-1950s until his death by assassination in 1968. Martin Luther King Jr. was born on January 15, 1929, in Atlanta, Georgia. King was both a Baptist minister and civil rights activist, had a seismic impact on race relations in the United States, and it began in the mid-1950s. Among many efforts, King headed the SCLC, which stands for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and through his activism, he played a pivotal role in ending the legal segregation of African-American citizens in the South and other areas of the nation as well as the creation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. King received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, among several other honors as well. King was assassinated in April 1968, but he continues to be remembered as one of the most lauded African-American leaders in history, often referenced by his 1963 speech, I Have a Dream. So... Primetime Power Show team, I'm going to start, you know, Quake and Christina, if you want to jump in. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., when you hear the name, 
when you hear his voice, when you hear the many speeches, and you learn about all the things that he has contributed, not only for us, but for the nation and the impact that he's made on the world, what comes to mind in regards to what type of man he was first and foremost? To me, to me, he was an honorable man. He was the man to get the job done, and he had a vision. I think he had that vision probably when he was when he was a little boy. Because I mean, going, going to church with his father and mother, he had that vision, and I believe that God had laid it on his heart that one day he's going to be somebody. He's going to change the world. And watching things that happened around that time, he's seen it as a little boy, and he and that, I believe in my heart that he says. I'm gonna do something when I get older, and you know, he and he started doing things early. But he also sent chills through your body because every time you hear any part of Martin Luther King's speech, it sends chills through your body. It can be I had a dream, or I've been to the mountaintop. So he has a lot of speeches. We I'll get there with you. You know, man need to work. So he has some positive stuff that he was always saying. And you know, and and people try to get him on some of the negative things, but still yet yeah, it all is more good than bad. I can tell you that. And and the chills that he sends through your body constantly, consistently. When you just say, I had a dream automatically some they they you captivate an audience just like that. It's like they shut up. As a matter of fact, I was at my clean block at a, at a residence today and I was talking to a senior citizen talking about the king. And she said, now, you know me, I like to do demonstration. And I said, I had a dream that one day the lady just... did it right on the spot. Right on, right on the spot, right? <laughs> was she right. practicing? No, a little yeah, bit? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on her. No, yeah. but... Uh, and, and when I said that, you know, way down in Alabama, and I was doing the movement and stuff, and the senior sister, she says, oh, my God, you're good at that. How long you been doing that? You know, I said, it's been a years. A long time. <laughs> I, said, I said, it's been experience, and, but she was quiet. And she, Reverend May, I tell you, she looked at me like it just said, don't stop. Do some more. I said, well, I got to go to work now, you know. And that, and, and, and it's that part of it that resonates in me. And, and each year, you know, I like doing stuff like that. But I like hearing the speeches. I mean, whatever speech he got. I, and I was on the internet at the job. And I'm, I'm pulling up hundreds of speeches and, and just seeing some of the things that he done with his little kids, with his friends, with his homies. You know, even on the balcony when he got assassinated, you know. So he does, it just sends chills in my body, especially this time of year, period. You know, one one of the things that, that um, in his bio that wasn't read is there, he was a great scholar. Yes. And so, and, I, mean, and, as I, and a baby, I'm coming to that in the early years. We're yeah, going yeah, to yeah, share yeah, that. Yeah, yes. As a, as a little one. And, Absolutely. And his first college experience was at Crozier Theological Seminary in Chester. And so a lot of people don't know that. And yeah, they live right tides. in the city. Yeah. yeah. And he was just that close. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that was before he, um, that we were having a problem with Rosa Parks mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. But I think for me, um, when I hear about what it is that, that he did, but how he just sacrificed his life mm-hmm. so that people could have a better life. And then was disrespectful for it. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just disrespected for it. Because the most people would have said, nope, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this. Nobody going to spit in my face, you know, and, and do that kind of stuff. And then I have to go to jail for it. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but he just laid it out. And then later on, I think when we talk, I wanted to talk a little bit about his relationship with um, Malcolm X. Okay. And, and how they kind of came together uh, later on. Uh, down the struggle because you know they had the same goal but different methods yes and so you know they Mm -hmm. still kind of got together so that's me and my my um my offset on him how one person could have that much power um and be not violent 
Mm-hmm. That, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's also a testimony yes. of it shows you when you're called. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, except and, when you and win. And you accept right? the calling. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. You know, you can do some great things. Yes. And, you know, I, yes. I, I believe God had a calling on his life and he embraced it. I don't mm-hmm. know if too many men or women would have been able to have been brave enough, courageous enough mm-hmm. to even make that type of stand. That's and to right. continuously come again and again and again and to do it in the fashion that he did it in regards to nonviolent, trying to do things in the right way, the right perspective. And to the very end where I felt he kind of knew that the end was drawing oh, yeah. near. Yeah. Um, you know, the yeah. mountaintop speech the mountain, that, yeah. that we, you know, we'll, we'll play yeah. that. We'll play that excerpt mm-hmm. and you'll hear from him directly. And to still just look at dead in his eye. And, and complete his destiny. I mean, that that's a powerful testimony. That, yeah. That's an awesome thing. Well, listen, because I don't yeah. fear nobody. I mean, yeah. you know, right? And that's what he talked that, about, right? But but, but they don't really mean serious. it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he he really meant that, and and he knew what mm-hmm. he had to do. And you know, I just like the the fact that he empowered and he tried to instill that into others. And so let's 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 talk about back then. We know how it was, and you know the difficulty during the you know the 50s and the 60s and let's fast forward a little bit to 2020 mm. because if you think about it, it's been about seven decades if, if my mm-hmm. math is right where do you think we are just just personal opinion in regards to what martin luther king jr what he represented what he was fighting for what would you rate as the progression level as to where we are in 2020 50 50 percent yeah 50 percent of mission completed yeah because it's it's to me it's like now it's more killings than anything. I mean, yeah, the violence has definitely I picked mean, up. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to kind of see what no. we're talking about tonight. It doesn't right. like the society doesn't have a resemblance of what he was what he was trying to do. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was more. Res- it was more respect back then, even though we went through the struggle. Or he went through the struggle for us. It was sort of some type of respect as far as. It wasn't that much killing like it is today. Yeah. It wasn't that cussing your mother out or killing kids or even dis- disrespecting anybody. Because, you know, when you disrespect your family back then, mama took it to you. You, you know, spare the ride or spoil the child, spare the ride, whatever that saying was. It worked on me because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got many, I got many of this. Y'all call them spankers, but I call them beatings. You was an active member of that club. Yeah, huh? my, my sisters and brothers will tell you that as soon as I come in the house. Mommy wants you. Oh, man. Uh-oh. I don't, you know, the, the old paddle in the school was nothing to pay for mama gave you. So do you, do you think the, the shift and the change from the dream mm-hmm. that Martin Luther King Jr. had to now, you think it's due to just unity seems to be crumbling? I do. I, I, yeah. I think that that was pre-crack um, time. And okay. so, um, and, and although, although they did have some... Um, drugs and stuff that mm-hmm. would this, it wasn't as mind altering as it is now, and I don't think that most people were in this uh, perpetual state of uh, mental health. Okay. Um. Or or and so the lack of respect I don't think comes from because they they're like that. I I think that there's some alternatives here that they chose. Mm-hmm. Um. In areas like um, drugs, which is mind altering, so you're not dealing with that person Mm -hmm. you dealing with the drug. And so I think, I think Martin Luther was, um, was one that I think if he was still alive, that he would have recognized that and would have attacked that as uh, part of the enemy. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that in terms of our legal system, I think that we are, um, back paddling, um, 
and our uh, political arena, we backpedally. Uh, we made some progress and now we, um, looks like we're facing going backwards. Um, and so it's, it's a sad situation. Um, and, but I think it's, it can be remedied. I think that if people would kind of just take on, you know, one family at a time, one block at a time, um, and do that and care about each other. Do you think there needs to be a resurgence of a leader like him? Do, do, do the people need an influence like that to get, you know, re re trigger, rejuvenated to understand, you know, the big picture. I and, think so. Yeah. yeah well, every everybody, you know what? Did you see car wash? They gotta be willing to sacrifice. Wait a minute, did you, right? Did you see car wash? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Richard Pryor was this preacher. So yeah. the Pointer Sisters came out, and you know what they sang? <laughs> this stuck with me through for since the movie came out. It said the word said you gotta believe in something. So why not believe in me? Yeah. Okay. And so that was their whole theme to get people to give them money and all that kind mm-hmm, of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, we need leaders, but our leaders came switched from uh, people that were willing to give their life for us right. to people that are disrespecting us in their art. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know what I, that is. I, I just think that, again, when you talk about an African leaders, a leader that, and it's hardcore just to be that leader stand up because most of the time you got hardcore leaders, they're gonna try to assassinate you anyway. It just seems like it seems like in history when you got a prominent leader, somebody making change, and things happen. Oh, they try to assassinate him. He try. It's like yeah, they want to disrupt. They, they want to uh, yeah. disrupt that like harmony, uh, right? right. And, you know, right. then you talk about you know now you know you have uh, uh, people out there that are leaders. So let's say some white leaders. I'm just gonna get you the point. Some you have some some white leaders out there that's, that's trying to do good. You know, like but still even they get criticized for trying to help the African American community or all, all communities. It's still yet, yeah, but you gotta have that person that gonna really stand up and say because it ain't too many men or women out there gonna say gonna take my life. Cause I gotta do what I gotta do. I thought it. I mean, I thought some of the leaders that was with Martin Luther King, like Jesse Jackson and Andrew Young and all these they guys. Turned. So, yeah, that's what I was going to get to. So mm-hmm. what the difficulty I'm having is that this was Mark, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was such a great model mm-hmm. for others to learn how to be the, a leader, you know, to, to, to exhibit the characteristics that you need to be able to have an impact to make some change. Mm-hmm. But it, it seemed like no one after that, really picked up the baton and remember he wasn't by himself no, i mean we don't hear about yeah, other right. people but obviously he did a great work but he didn't do it by himself but it just never seemed to continuously gain that upward momentum mm-hmm. it was more about uh, you know i in my opinion it was more about you know once he got assassinated that's when people gave him the honor and the respect right and really understood what his mission was and you right. know, and you know what for instance, the Rosa Parks story. It wasn't really Rosa Parks that was on that bus. It was a young lady that was 16 years old or maybe younger who was pregnant. They used Rosa Parks as a role model because they figured she would bring it out. But it's really true to the story because it was it was somebody else. But then Martin Luther King, you know, he did his thing. And even when he went down into the sanit- for, to, for the sanitation workers, still to this day, I don't think sanitation work really appreciate what he had done for them because it mean he went down there for them for real for real and uh, you know you, you you look at the streets department how do okay all right they do the the, uh, the thing with you know unions are all good and well but I, I just think that 
they need to do more as far as because it was I mean the streets department in general because it was them and then it was and then some of these churches you know you go to a church they don't you know you get the lively speeches the lunches right. you know all that other good stuff. And then it's over. The concert. Yeah, the concert. Then what? We're going to have a comedy out for Martin Luther King. We're going to do a concert. All right, but what is it pitting back in the Afro-American community? You're making money in the community. That's one. If you do something at the Met or some other places, so, you're making money. So, Go ahead. So what's the trigger to that? Is it just having some short-term gain as far as getting notoriety and publicity and there's no thought process of having some long-term benefit that's going to impact not just the ones that are directly involved, but you know, the community, mm-hmm. the, the masses. I mean, like, is it, is it, do you think it's just the ones that, as you mentioned, that, you know, conduct those type of events and do those things, are they just so short-sighted in regards to what the ultimate goal is really supposed to be about? Yeah, I do believe that. You know, with, even with this Oscar thing and then all this other thing on TV, it said women of color is not being recognized. And it's still today, they're not. You know, you most of the time you see most of the white community getting all these awards and Oscars. Oh, and well, they did you know. with the beauty pageants. Okay. So <laughs> they, they, we they, took they, a they sweep make, over we on make, that. We make a strive on that one. We took a sweep over that. But you know. I wanted to go back just a little bit in terms of mm-hmm. changing. Um, things are changing. Um, how things just changed or did they lose the momento or did they lose um, what was happening? I think this. I think in terms of the church. Um, the government was allowed to infiltrate the church in terms mm-hmm. of offering grants and all that kind of stuff. So people didn't have to rally together to have dinners and all this kind of stuff. So do you think the platform changed? The I, church platform? It went from you know absolutely to promoting God. Now it was about not just God. It was about the agenda of of the person who was ever yeah, church. city I mean, government yeah, whoever you know we need to thought have, they could capitalize on the audience. Right. Well, see, yeah. the, the thing about it is, is if you if you can get where the churches were the hub of the African-American community. community. Yeah, yeah. Right. If I can control the hub of the community, I can control the community. OK. okay. Right. And so be, Martin Luther controlled that. Yeah. And then Malcolm X um, controlled the Muslim part of it. Mm-hmm. So together you had two dynamite uh, African-American men. In, in the same era. In the sa- right. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. and then in that same era towards the end, you had Black Panthers that was doing stuff in the community itself instead mm-hmm. of, the, you know, the whole uh, umbrella of stuff with Martin and uh, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is what happened is we started getting greedy. See, when you start getting greedy, when you start, everybody wanted to make a church, everybody wanted to have um, this easy money in terms of it, but you sell people out. Mm-hmm. when you get yeah. these grants and yeah. so i'm going to give you two computers mm-hmm. and in two computers you give me a list of all the people in your church and how much money they make or how much money they give yeah and so even to the point where now i think that they're going to start um the church started having employees paid employees which means that they have to pay taxes on the employees but not on their properties and things like that so the focus goes off of civil rights it goes off of jesus christ it goes off of uh living together it gets goes off of families it goes off of all of that and it goes on what it is for me so one of the things that that uh, in church i could never understand is how the preacher will get up and preach on uh, everybody's sins but won't preach on his own so the topics are never about what he has done until he gets caught Right. And whatever it is. In Martin Luther King's case, 
He didn't just preach in the four walls. We don't have traveling evangelists anymore. No. Like we had the, the Billy Grahams and all that mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's not happening anymore. So everything is in this little box. Yeah, and, and everything has to come to the place. Yes. And mm-hmm. the, so they don't yeah, go even, out. Even how the internet is used. It's like, y'all come to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. The other thing that he did that was great was the Voters Act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people just... People just don't respect that either. We have mm-hmm. to beg people to vote. I know. How yeah. you just have to beg people to vote yeah. and mm-hmm. then argue over the fact that this is not right. The country's not right. This right. is not right. So I, I think that um, smoke screens always get us, but it didn't get him. He stayed focused regardless of whatever smoke screens was given up or deviations of whatever he was trying to do. He always came back to uh, focus that this is a right for every man, that every man is created equal. He just went right back to that. Right. He didn't exclude anyone. Right. Right. He, he tried to include every everybody. Yes. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was excited. I'm just excited about it. It would be very nice if some of our children could. Uh, just adopt it, especially our babies. Mm-hmm. In, in, in elementary school, you give it to them, they absorb it like a sponge. Yep. But that's not being done. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're absorbing technology. They they can't even absorb a book. Not because anymore. Now yeah. Everything, yeah, yeah, the digital yeah. age has yeah. really changed. It, yeah. Right, so it changed the mindset. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to a, a young lady, because you notice Martin Luther King always had people around him. Mm-hmm. He always had an entourage of people that were supposed to be like-minded. Right. So now, but, now our children don't even know how to communicate with each other. Let's more try to organize something to get it to get mm-hmm. something done. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, even Morehouse, we have the Morehouse, we have all these um, historical black colleges and stuff. And what's, I don't see what's coming out of it. Like back then, they had to struggle to go to school. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's given to you when it's easy. <laughs> guess what? You take it for granted. It's yes. like, listen, I don't have to learn nothing. I just need my degree. And so if you can pay the price, mm-hmm. right? then you can get, you mm-hmm. can get it. But then the, the white folks got caught. The rich white folks got caught. <laughs> then they had to do jail time for getting their kids in without, then half of them couldn't even read. Well, you know, we, we also got to just keep the fact that Martin Luther King did have, did have a, a lot of white supporters, too. I think Billy Graham Absolutely. was one of them, too. Yeah. Uh, he did have a lot of white supporters, but you don't hear much about them, but they were supporters. Um but I just don't understand that the Jesse Jacksons, Andrew Youngs, I mean, these, these guys went places, but they never embarked on Martin Luther King's real struggle because they they were made like, I'm not going to get assassinated, you know. They, well, they had hidden agendas, too. You know. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they definitely hit him because the way they talked about him bad, I think that there was, um, what's his name, Abernathy? Mm-hmm, Abernathy. Um, got caught in his conversations about him. Mm-hmm. And said, and of course, they wanted to look at the negative parts of his life. You're a human being, mm-hmm. so you make mistakes. Right. And so, but the overall uh, attack on his character was just horrible. And you were with him mm-hmm. all the all time. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with him when he died. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And then you're going to turn right around yep. for your own gain yep. and create this um, this chaos about his legacy. You mm-hmm. you you just don't do that. And that's what we're known to do. You know, you just you just can't do it. So other people can play into it, of course, and be able to take off off take us off task, and so we don't stay focused right on on what is right. 
Mm-hmm. And with the sacrifice. One thing, yeah, yeah. One thing I do want to say is that his lovely, his lovely wife, Miss Coretta Scott King, she stuck by him thick and thin. Even though they tried to put women on him and try to set him up, she stuck with him. And it was hard. It's hard for women to stick with a man that does does sell all that community stuff and also to, to put out that speech to that. That speech is hard when you got to be away from your wife that constantly consistently right. and, and then be threatened yeah, and they're going to kill your yeah. family and mm-hmm. throw bombs. And, and then you had the KKK back then. And, and, and it was hard. Yeah, and burn and and threw a bomb in his house yes. with his babies in there, mm-hmm. and have to be away so long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Feeling that you can't protect your children, so it, it's the same. Well, same for him, and same it was the same thing for um, Malcolm X too. They did the same thing mm-hmm. to his house, but they had to be very strong women mm-hmm. to want to take care of their children and stay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have raised my children at my mama's. I mean, she could have went to her mama's house mm-hmm. and raised her children, but she stayed in the house that was their family home. And so, I mean, you know, he told her how to, you know, protect their house and protect that kind of stuff. And then almost had to fight her to get her out of there when they when he had these threats. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially when they did the church. And in terms of, of white uh, young people back then, uh, we call them millenniums, but back then, they go on the bus. Mm-hmm. Knowing they was going to go into territories that, and they ended up being murdered. But the point is, is that they were willing to give their life up for something. And they were the three college students, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, it's just it's just hard that you know you cannot find a person like him now. Maybe Gandhi. I mean, but he's over in another region. I mean, they said he was like that. And you you know. And you had, I, and I, I I go as far I would go as far as the Pope. I don't think the Pope would give up his life either. To be honest, I mean, because he's only human, no, you know. You know. No. But, and they go in when they old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, then you know, they don't play. It's a life, a lifelong position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But their lifespan is short. I mean, they go in at eighty. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so, so I don't, and you could tell that that didn't work because you could see the fall of the Catholic churches, mm-hmm. um, and and that whole concept of being celibate and all that kind of stuff, and you end up with younger. Yeah, kids and yes. stuff like that. So <laughs> yes. there's there's a whole different. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole different. The, the Pope back then, mm-hmm. when they were uh, doing it, I think the Catholic was very strict. Their religion mm-hmm. was very mm-hmm. strict, and so that even down to what you ate on certain days. Um, and then they changed that, mm-hmm. and then there was you couldn't get married again. You know what I mean? Or you couldn't have, uh, you wasn't supposed to do this and you go in there and do that. Well, all that's gone. You know what I mean? People just doing whatever they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. And so the churches start folding. So when churches start folding, you know that something is wrong. Something is going up. Absolutely. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a break on the Primetime Power Show. You are listening to the 6th Annual MLK Tribute Show. Just want to remind you that the Primetime Power Line will be open the entire show. If you have a comment in relation to the discussion that was already stated, or if you have something to bring to the table, please feel free to do so. The number is 610-574-0513. You are listening to the Primetime Power Show. We'll be right back in a few moments. Primetime Power Show Live. Primetime Power Show. Primetime Power Show, baby. 
primetime power show. That's right. Radio that uplifts, inspires, encourages, and informs. It's the primetime power show on primetime power radio. Are you looking for technology support that can assist you with your web, computer, and business needs? MakeWorks provides professional solutions that can help you with whatever need that you have. With a wealth of experience and technical know-how, rest assured that MakeWorks can deliver on fulfilling your requirements. Learn more about MakeWorks by going to their website at MakeWorks.com. MakeWorks is also available on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So give us a call today at 484-466-5460. Once again, that's 484-466-5460 if you would like to discuss service options or if you are ready to start today. MakeWorks, working for your success since 2000. are now listening to the primetime power radio on the tune in app download it apple android windows tune in app. primetime power radio the primetime power show is now available via podcast yes you heard that right we are on podcast meaning that now we're available on itunes google play music Google Podcasts, Stitcher, so if you've missed the show and you didn't catch us live or you just want to hear a show again, subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you're on. Once again, that can be iTunes, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. And then every time we have a show available via podcast, you will be able to see the latest, greatest show that's available. So once again, the Primetime Powers show is now available on podcast. Subscribe today. Taught us 
overcome. Sometimes we've had tears in our eyes when we joined together to sing it, but we still decided to sing it. We shall overcome. No, before this victory is won, some will have to get thrown in jail some more, but we shall overcome. Don't worry about us. Before the victory is won, some of us will lose jobs, but we shall overcome. Before the victory is won, even some will have to face physical death. Physical death is the price that some must pay to free their children from a permanent psychological death. Then nothing shall be more redemptive. We shall overcome. Before the victory is won, some will be misunderstood and called bad names and dismissed as rabble-rousers and agitators. But we shall overcome. And I'll tell you why. We shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long. But it bends toward justice. We shall overcome because Carlisle is right. 
No lie can live forever. We shall overcome because William Cullen Bryant is right. Truth crushed earth will rise again. We shall overcome because James Russell Lowell is right. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. We shall overcome because the Bible is right. You shall reap what you sow. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome. And with this faith, we will go out and adjourn the councils of despair and bring new light into the dark chambers of pessimism. And we will be able to rise from the fatigue of despair to the buoyancy of hope. And this will be a great America. We will be the participants in making it so. And so as I leave you this evening, I say, walk together, children. Don't you get weary. There's a great camp meeting. Welcome back to the Primetime Power Show, live on Primetime Power Radio. Check us out on the TuneIn Radio app. Look for Station Primetime Power Radio. Also, we're streaming on PrimetimePowerShow.com, as well as PrimetimePowerRadio.com. I want to thank you for being a part of the 6th Annual MLK Tribute Show, show number 268 of the Primetime Power Show. The Primetime Power Line is open, 610-574-0513. Once again, the Primetime Power Line number is 610-574-0513. Also, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we are monitoring our social media. If you want to add a comment, idea, a question, whatever you have, we'll also relay that live on the show tonight as well. But I want to turn it back over to the team. We just heard the speech, We Shall Overcome. Quake, just give me a sense of what that meant to you personally, also in relation to how you thought the actual uh, people in attendance felt being inspired by that powerful word. Well, you know that. Oh, wow, that is a powerful word. We shall overcome. You know, I, I was. He, I'm, I'm saying. Well, me. He was giving them hope. He was telling them we shall overcome. We're gonna get over this. You know. Right. And and, and like they said, be of little faith. But he telling them technically have faith. More than must, grain of a mustard seed. You have to have that faith. So mm-hmm. he telling them we shall overcome. We're gonna get over it. Some gonna have to sacrifice their life. That's what he said. Yeah, Suffering is not gonna last always. You right? know. Got to so, endure. And you yeah. have to. And that's what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. That you mm-hmm. know, not knowing that it was gonna to happen to him. You know, not knowing, but but he, but if you notice the way he said, someone sacrifice their life, we shall overcome. Right. You know, and he kept saying, whatever, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. But, so, but ultimately, it's gonna it's gonna be right. Right. In the end. So I, I believe he mm-hmm. he foretold that he foretold his future that something's going to happen. I, I believe you know that mountaintop speech. I believe all those speeches mm-hmm. combined together was saying he's saying to himself that something's going to happen, but I got to keep keep being persistent. Keep going on and on. I got to give our people hope. You know, not just uh, our people, but he gave all people hope. But I do believe, you know, in my heart that giving them hope 
He's talking about the white people, but but more or less, more or less talking about us a lot, more more of us than them, because they they didn't really had nothing really to worry about. Cause we had to go through the KKK, we had to go through say at that end of the restaurant, we had to go through don't use this bathroom, you know. So and and still today you still get them looks. If you go in the bathroom first, you still get them looks like oh well, I'm, like some people still think they have privilege privileges. Like oh no, mm-hmm. even when mm-hmm. you you know even when you had a restaurant, and sometimes you go like this well. Well, what's up? I was here before them, you know, and 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 you wonder why, you know, and then you wonder why we get attitudes or when you, when you when people talk to even at the job circuit, the job market, you know, you figure, wow, how did they get the job for me? I qualify. I got. Am I overqualified? They're gonna tell you you're overqualified. You don't qualify because you overqualified, but. And still yet, you know, you just keep trying and keep trying. But the message itself, it's, it's just a message that is relayed constantly and consistently. Because to this day, you know, mother will say, don't worry about it. Like, here it is. Like, who says, like, when you were six years old, who would think that 50 years later, you'd be hearing the same thing over and over. Repetitions over and over. It's going to be all right, son. It's going to be okay. You know, um... Uh, deep down in my heart, I do believe, you know, they, they made songs, you know, and, and we hear these things. But then when you hear him say it, it's sort of, you know, all that talking and stuff, you tell somebody in the room, shut up. I don't want to hear you. I want to hear him. Because he, he he just captivates you and he, he, and everything he said is true. And you know what? You know what was so fascinating and so awesome about that? I truly believe they believed that it was, it was going to come to pass one day. Yeah, yeah they, they believed that he was speaking it yeah. mm-hmm. and it was going to come into existence. You could tell by the responses and the reactions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they, they stood by every word. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The people that want, didn't want it to happen also was paying close attention. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it was happening. And so they had to go into another strategic plan mm-hmm. in terms of how do we um, combat that? How do we not let yeah, that cause happen? Yeah, because the semblance was growing and growing and Johnson. growing. Yeah. You know yeah. what the yeah. President Johnson, you Any, know. Anything with numbers, you know what happens. That, you know? Right. And so, I, I, believe, I, I believe even, you know, with the assassination of uh, Kennedy's brother, you know, he was with King. They assassinated him. They called him a nigger lover. Well, you know, because you know, Kennedy really wasn't that fond of King. He wasn't. It, it was his, or or civil rights. Mm-hmm. It was his brother mm-hmm. um, that persuaded him to do that so that he could win another um, term of presidency. But however, I'm going to tell you how naive we are. However, in that era, you go in anybody's house. You saw Kennedy's Kennedy. picture in their home. I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. You know, I I used to say, well, you know. I, I, well, that's the problem with perception. Yes. And sometimes, you know, people don't do enough. Like you said, mm-hmm. research, get the facts, get right. the truth. Right. And they go off what's what's being advertised to them. I like to say it like that. Because yeah. mm-hmm. what's emotions. advertised isn't. Right. Yeah. And, and we, we see that a lot. You yeah. know, that, that's that's. That's like the influence nowadays. Like stir up the emotions, and then you get and you got the, because you, you got had the picture right. Kennedy, his brother, and him, right? Martin Luther King, Kennedy, and his brother. So they would they, they would have them pictures that, in the house. In your house, right. You like and you know these are these are the, our saviors at the time. You know. Well, I think that I think that you know what I think that when we get when we get to the point that we love ourselves mm-hmm. and that we have this great history. 
You were kings and queens and you know what I'm saying? You had a whole country to yourself. Nobody's teaching them that. Mm-hmm. We have to teach our children that. But so and that didn't happen. Um, we got preoccupied. And so we lost focus on what it is that that was going on. You know what I mean? So you have to look at um, white Jesus when you go to church. When you mm-hmm. go to church. When you look at the cartoons, the Jetsons, they white. <laughs> if you, look at, you know what I'm saying? Everything that a, that a child, the Flintstones, mm-hmm. they was white. So when you go in there, Jack and Jill on white. your books, guess what? They was white. So... So to me, it's like whatever their lifestyle is, is a lifestyle that I need to have. You know, what I hated was the little rascals. I hate, I, I mean, I liked it, but I didn't, I liked the, yeah, I, don't I don't like, like the way they was treating. Because it's like, we're going to use this buckwheat. He's, that's, how, that's how the black kids look back then. This is how they should be treated. Even though it was acting. Well, they did, well you, you know, know what, you know, but listen here. They did look like that. You know. They did look like that because you know why? All of our attention was trying to survive, not necessarily whatever we had. Mm-hmm. But we love to love and have a whole bunch of babies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whatever that meant um, in that day, the more children you had, you know, they could work, they can do this, they can do that, and they mm-hmm. can do the other. But the, the whole issue is that they did look like that because Spanky and them didn't look so great either. <laughs> it's just that their hair, you know, our hair is just um, heritage, which made us feel that we didn't look good mm-hmm. because we were stereotyping what the other kids looked like. And we needed to look like, have the... Because that was the perception the again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's always so, perception-based. A- absolutely. Yeah. Never facts. Yeah. Yeah. Never facts. I know because now to the day my mama say, oh, she has good hair. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that that means. Yeah. It it should be different type of hair. Yes. Different texture. Yes. Because we have all these these beautiful hair That's the context in which it should be said. Yes. but like you said, it was already kind of. They have good hair. Or well, they well they even profile they profile us now. Even in high school, when you had, I would say the the high yellow uh, woman. Well, they put, even though it. even though her hair so was high yellow, don't mean her no. hair was good. We gonna go. So Martin Luther King said. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but <laughs> we're not going there. Uh-huh. We're not going but go even, there. But even but even even back even then that you know the the sisters that and I'm sure you probably experienced so many people get you know because you come in you you you, you was you was yeah, that, get that, it that right complex. get it right get it right your complex was different back then but they treated you the the sister treated you different even though they were some of your homies. Maybe one or two, but if there were some of your homies, <laughs> but still, yeah, you know, because my wife used to tell me, she said, when I went to Bartram, when she used to go play ball at Bartram, because she was going to Northeast High, she said, every time they came down to Bartram, they had to get in the rumble, yeah. because they're like, oh, they think they all that, because it was the color of their skin, not the content of their character, so I'm like, wow, she's, I said, well, that's, is that why the, <laughs> and then, then she said, the uh, the black man, the dark skin, so see, it was like, the light-skinned brother Got all, they, they would go with the, the dark skinned sister and the dark skinned brother wanted the light skins. You know, I think that's it was reversed. And then all of a sudden, you know, who made all the money? They figured, who, who, who made all the money? That was, I, think, I think they got all the reality. So the, sh- the, sh- the only shade that mattered then was the green. Huh? That's right. Girl, I, I mean, uh, he ain't got no job. That nigga, he ain't got no money. You know, uh, but man, the world changed. Huh? Yeah, he, he. You know he fine. Is he taking you out to dinner? Well, he said I'll pay for this one. 
<laughs> kind of stuff is that? And then the brother go like this. That, the brother go like this. But look, I'm, I'm, I got a little bit of change. But listen, you, you, you just got, matter of fact, you need to get some money from home so we can both go out to dinner. Oh, my God. But, um, you are stupid. But, and you know what? But, and you know what? <laughs> but this is the thing. I had a, oh, I was on a date. Me and my girlfriend went on a double date. So you remember book binders? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice little So man. listen, me and my girlfriend decided Expensive. we wanted to go to book binders and we wanted to get lobster and oh, all that. Man. Now we really didn't like these guys, you know, but they was talking They're about paying. how they was gonna do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So we we sent up to here. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we eating lobster and all this stuff and they drinking a cup of tea. Call the primetime power Sit. line, fellas, if, if, if you were the victims. <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse me, go ahead. <laughs> they had a no good, but they thought they was going to take us up to George's Hill afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Uh-uh, I'm full. I need to go home. So we had to walk from George's Hill home. Wow. Oh, in the rain. Oh, oh, they, oh, they cornered after the mill. Okay. Yeah, in okay. the rain. Wow. I was like, Orange Juice Jones. Well, <laughs> well, well, folks, all we know, MLK probably wouldn't have done that. No, he so, wouldn't. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the early need years. need <laughs> Yeah, early <laughs> years. Uh, we're going to just share some more of the bio. Um, so, obviously, oh, he well, was we, born. We got a call? Oh. No, that was not a call. That was probably a notification. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hopefully it will actually ring. Keep it on. Yeah. Yeah. So, we got a, yeah, we got a, no, we got a notification on, on Facebook. But, um. He was born as Michael King Jr. on January 15, 1929. Martin Luther King Jr. was the middle child of Michael King Sr. and Alberta Williams King. The King and Williams families were rooted in rural Georgia. Martin Jr.'s Mm. grandfather, A.D. Williams, was a rural minister for years and then moved to Atlanta in 1893. He took over the small, struggling Ebenezer Baptist Church with around 13 members and made it into a forceful congregation. He married Jenny Celeste Parks, and they had one child that survived, Alberta. Michael King Sr. came from a sharecropper family in a poor farming community. He married Alberta in 1926 after an eight-year courtship. The newlyweds moved to A.D. Williams' home in Atlanta. Woo. Okay, man. My man was persistent. All right. Back to the script. Uh, (laughs) So that goes back to what we was talking about in terms of, no, I'm kidding. Okay. (laughs) There you go. So Michael King Sr. stepped in as pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church upon the death of his father-in-law in in 1931. He, too, became a successful minister and adopted the name Martin Luther King Sr. So remember, it was Michael, but then it went for Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. So that's how that came to form. In honor of the German Protestant religious leader, Martin Luther, in due time, Michael Jr. would follow his father's lead and wow. adopt the name himself. So did y'all know mm. that out there, that mm-hmm. Martin was actually Michael? So now See, you're making me feel yeah, some kind of way. And it's mean. from a what? From who? Where did they take that name from? Uh, in honor of the German Protestant religious leader Martin Luther, because he was a good guy. That, that yeah, yeah, no, German. no, no. He's he's very well known in, in in Christian religion history. Yeah, so I I do know the name. So probably the, I know the yeah. name too. But what I was trying to get to. Oh, go ahead. It's like from from our previous conversation mm-hmm. when you was talking about color mixing. Yeah. Or or the the whole hue mm-hmm. of of what and how people are judged through the the hues. He didn't do that. Well, his father didn't do it. Well, it was yeah, yeah, it's his father, right? Right. But he Singer, did. Yeah. But he did. He was attracted to a um, a fair skinned. <laughs> <laughs> 
that was um that was strong in her conviction and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And she has a powerful background too. Yeah. Um and so I can understand the two strong wills of, of the mind. But we're not if we're gonna talk about Hughes, we're gonna talk about how my brother Let's talk about courted a courted a Martin Luther King is my brother. Okay. How he courted it, courted it, a you don't know nothing about courting, but he courted oh. Coretta Scott. Yes, yeah, he did. You know what I mean? So smart. listen here. He knew what he wanted. He's smart. He, yeah. See now. <laughs> next. All right. So young Martin had an older sister, uh, Willie Christine, and a younger brother, Alfred Daniel Williams King. The King children grew up in a secure and loving environment. Martin Sr. was more the disciplinarian, while his wife's gentleness easily balanced out the father's more strict hand. Though they undoubtedly tried, Martin Jr.'s parents couldn't shield him from completely from racism. Stop Ma- right there. Yes, sir. You could not shield him from completely racism, so he yes. had to witness that so, thing every single day. Yeah, so I'm from sure. From little, from yeah. being little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure they tried, but, you know, obviously... He's seen something yeah. like this ain't gonna work. Yeah, you're gonna see the realities <laughs> of the world eventually. He ain't gonna call me you too know. many more of them names. <laughs> so this is where I'm going to continue on. This is where probably how uh, Martin Luther King Jr. got his influence from a lot from his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, it says Martin Luther King Sr. fought against racial prejudice, not just because his race suffered, but because he considered racism and segregation to be an affront to God's will. He strongly discouraged any sense of class superiority in his children, which left a lasting impression on Martin Jr. Mm-hmm. Growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, Martin Luther King Jr. entered public school at age five. In May 1936, he was baptized, but the event made little impression on him. In May 1941, Martin was 12 years old when his grandmother, Jenny, died of a heart attack. The event was traumatic for Martin, more so because he was out watching a parade against his parents' wishes when she died. So he was wow. doing something he wasn't supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right, so mm-hmm. I know that, no, that hurt him. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's guilt. Yeah, 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 that's guilt. But I know yeah. that, that hurt him a lot. So he was very distraught of that news. Young Martin jumped from a second-story window at the family home, allegedly attempting suicide. So then later it says King attended Booker T. Washington High School, where he was said to be an excellent student, in which we was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So this we're going to tell y'all how great of a student a he was. Mm-hmm. So he skipped both the ninth and eleven grades. Wow! And entered. Morehouse College in Atlanta at the age of 15 mm-hmm. wow. in 1944. Mm-hmm. He was a very popular student, especially with his female classmates. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> but an unmotivated student. Now, look, now, 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 see this turnaround. Now, this is a great lesson right here. At the time, they say he was an unmotivated student who floated through his first two years of college. And although his family was deeply involved in the church and worship, young Martin questioned religion at one time in general, and he felt uncomfortable with, with uncomfortable with overly emotional displays of religious worship. So this discomfort continued through much of his adolescence. And then initially it led him to decide against entering ministry at first, much to his father's dismay. Obviously, you know, I'm sure pops would have had an issue with that. But then in his junior year, Martin took a Bible class and that class renewed his faith and he began to then envision himself in a career in the ministry. In the fall of his senior year, he told his father of his decision. So we're gonna we're gonna stop right there. So so give me a little feel, a little vibe of how his upbringing was. You see, it wasn't you know some people would have pictured it like mm-hmm. his whole life 
was just, you know, going to church every Jesus. day, being a perfect kid. Jesus. You know, he was obviously he was very intelligent. I mean, yeah, that, that yeah. stands out. Mm-hmm. But he went through normal stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean, adolescence. You know? He went through and, adolescence. But he grown, like and, he grown and he developed. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Just like our mother sent us to ch- when we had to go, we had to go to church yes. when we were small, so it was, yeah. it was no choice. And then we grew up into. And I would say the three phase. I call it the three phases of churches. When we small, we have to go. When we teenagers, we're still in there, but we stray out. When we get grown, we leave and come back, mm-hmm. right? But to me, that's what he was going through. It's, it's, it's growing up the challenges of church. You know, you see see somebody jumping around in church with the Holy Ghost and doing it, shaking and stuff. Well, it might have turned him off. Like, why does he keep doing it? Yeah, We've seen I mean, it all you know, his life. I mean, I mean yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know, I, I didn't go to church when I when I was a kid. And when I did see displays of it, I thought it was, it was being extra and, and like mm-hmm. very very dramatic it didn't seem authentic to me okay mm-hmm. so you know it, and so i can kind of relate to at the mm-hmm. time you know he was going at what his eyes were seeing yeah. what his ears was here and maybe he thought at one point like some people do now mm-hmm. they think it don't take all that mm-hmm. well you know what you, you know well, I'm, about, I'm about there i'm i'm gonna tell you why i'm about there uh, i'm not saying that the spirit can't move you and, and all that kind of stuff but i had to go to church when i was um, little so we went with different family members in different denominations so we went from the foot washing to the you know that all that kind of stuff but i wanted to look at tv you can't look at tv mm-hmm. because you gotta go to church a certain time yep. three or four times a, oh, a week and, and all that kind of stuff because everybody was in different ministry One lunch dinner however and even during that time i think that i kept uh looking at people i'm saying to myself why would she why would God want you to be so um unorthodox mm-hmm. in terms of your behavior? Because five minutes ago, sister such and such, her name was Elderberry, I'd never forget her, was this poised um lady with the hat, you know, when the you know, and her mm-hmm. gloves, you know, they wore gloves and stuff like that. They with the gloves on and stuff. And then the music start you know, the preacher be preaching, and then the music start and now you become disruptive. Mm-hmm. Now you disruptive. You running all over the you know, they used to run around church and stuff then. You running around when you finally sit down, your hat's all sideways, you have your glove is over here, the other one's over there. I'm yeah, saying to the, myself, the God way, is the not, way game exactly Position like it was before. Yeah, it got a little glasses to it. all over yeah. So I'm saying to myself, God, why? God don't want you to. That's not praising God. I don't. God is not like that. But you know, I, I look at. I kind of look at that different because when a when a person gets the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, they just they get they get it. You have people that do get it. I just don't just talking in ties to a tongue thing. I, I just can't. I never could understand that. My sister do that. I can't understand the word she's saying. But, you know, but I think when the Holy Spirit hits a person, I think it hits them when they go through, through something dramatic and trauma in their life. No, and, it hits you know, them when the, when the, when the uh, organist. Play the beat. Yes. <laughs> because when the music stops, so do they. I, you, this is this was listen here. This was just my whole thing. I'm saying to myself, what? So, and then I got to a period and said, well, listen. I can do that dance. You know, they look like they're doing uh-huh. a bristle storm or something. Uh-huh. So, me and my sister-in-law. So, when you, you hear know, this, just kind of, <laughs> they know it's time <laughs> to jump or run around the bus <laughs> thing. So, I'm so, just. So, so you're trying to say it's, it's a think, hype man in the, in the you church? Trying to say, you trying to say the organist is getting paid to. Little hype man? I believe it. Yeah. I yeah. believe it. And, however, however, 
I do believe that even though that happened, mm-hmm. that that happens, it inspires people okay. to look for that something person, supernatural yeah. to be able mm-hmm. to change the situation and where they live. Right, now right. I can understand I can understand that part. I can understand when the Holy Spirit take a hold of you, but how can you pay attention to the Holy Spirit when you acting out? That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, um, it was a young lady that was a, a minister, and she slain in the spirit. One time it happened to me. Mm-hmm. So that made me know that was real. Right. Because I couldn't understand why people was falling out, the lady's legs is mm-hmm. open and all that kind of stuff. God, that... God is not the master confusion to me. That was confusion. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, so I was saying to myself, okay, this is another ritual, but that's where I was raised up in the holiness church and so forth and so forth. So can I keep it real for a minute? You, you can. Some people be faking that anyway because they they you know they see other people doing it, then they're like, well, I think I better do it too because you know. That's well, not only that, some of the women you know. do it to get the attention of the pastors that are on the um, the pulpit. Because I used to be. No. A, I used you to be, saying? listen, I used to be the nurse at the church and I used to get in their ear and say, you know what? You better get don't up. All him. Now, I ain't staying here with you. Mm-hmm. So you better get up. They'd be like, get up, straighten up their clothes and go sit down. Listen, so. So, so you saying the men up front, the deacons. The deacons is facing the pastor too. But I think that they, they, we had young pastors, mm-hmm. yeah, and these and they weren't married. Some of them wasn't married. So you got these sisters down here. How you going to see me out of these sea of women? No, he ain't gonna see you. So I'm gonna get up <laughs> here and I'm gonna run the church, uh-huh. <laughs> run around the church, and I'm gonna do this. This is just my my opinion mm-hmm. on some of the things that that people do, and they use they use um, scripture and biblical. Uh, things for their own gain okay. and for their own good. Not saying everyone. That's the same thing. Yeah, about, obviously it's not everyone. Right. But, right. But but it's interesting to, you know, read about that where he had some he initial, did. you know, skepticism, mm-hmm. you know, because of how people were conducting themselves. Yeah. So it didn't really show a true representation of what, who God is and what he's about. Right. And how his people supposed to be. So what are we going to do? We, we, we hit the eight o'clock hour. It seemed like time went by fast. Um, but that's good, though. We, we're having great discussion. Remember, the Primetime Power Line is open, 610-574-0513. What we're going to do, we're going to take a break on the Primetime Power Show, live on Primetime Power Radio. On the other side, sir, we're going to talk about the MLK Day of Service, so we're yes, going to get into that. So we're going to talk about what happened in, in the past mm-hmm. and in the current, what's coming up. You you got a different twist okay. in regards <laughs> to what's going on this year. I like it. I like it. You know, you know. So we're going to talk about like that, like um, okay. and, and then, and then we're going. I'm going to ask you a question because I saw a picture on social media where it was bars involved. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure: were you posing, or was that <laughs> oh, a real, real, real situation temporarily? Obviously, you here tonight. Right. So that's what we're going to do. They dropped the charges. We'll be back in a few moments. to the mountain because you asked me to up over the clouds to 
Power Show has advertising opportunities for your business or organization. We offer radio audio commercials, image text, and audio advertising on our website and on our social media pages. Live personality endorsements as well, and much, much more. Learn more about our advertising options on our website at primetimepowershow.com slash advertise. Or you can email us a request for an advertising packet by sending it to advertise at primetimepowershow.com. Hey, be a part of the Primetime Power Show team and advertise with us. right now live to the primetime power show right here on primetimepowershow.com keep it locked in primetime power show time comes when silence is betrayal even when pressed by the demands of inner truth 
Men do not easily assume the task of opposing their government's policy, especially in time of war. Nor does the human spirit move without great difficulty against all the apathy of conformist thought within one's own bosom and in the surrounding world. Some of us who have already begun to break the silence of the night have found that the calling to speak is often a vocation of agony. But we must speak. We must speak with all the humility that is appropriate to our limited vision. But we must speak. I've chosen to preach about the war today because I agree with Dante that the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in a period of moral crisis maintain their neutrality. Now, of course, one of the difficulties in speaking out today grows out of the fact that there are those who are seeking to equate dissent with disloyalty. It's a dark day in our nation when high-level authorities will seek to use every method to silence dissent. And I say that those who are seeking to make it appear that anyone who opposes the war is a fool or a traitor or an enemy of our soldiers is a person who has taken a stand against the best in our tradition. But there will be no meaningful solution until some attempt is made to know these people and hear their broken cry. And I knew that I could never again raise my voice against the violence of the oppressed in the ghettos without having first spoken clearly to the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today, my own government. We are called to speak for the weak, for the voiceless, for the victims of our nation, and for those it calls enemy. For no document from human hands can make these humans any less our brothers. We are met by deep but understandable mistrust. To speak for them is to explain this lack of confidence in Western words, and especially their distrust of American intentions now. Now that is little left to build on save bitterness. The world now demands a maturity of America that we may not be able to achieve. I am as deeply concerned about our own troops there as anything else. For it occurs to me that what we are submitting them to is not simply the brutalizing process that goes on in any war where armies face each other and seek to destroy. We are adding cynicism to the process of death. For they must know after the short period there that none of the things we claim to be fighting for really involve. 
And the more sophisticated surely realize that we are on the side of the wealthy and the secure while we create a hell for the poor. Somehow this madness must cease. We must stop now. This way of settling differences is not just a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. I speak as a citizen of the world, for the world as it stands aghast at the path we have taken. I speak as one who loves America, to the leaders of our own nation. The great initiative in this war is ours. The initiative to stop it must be ours. Welcome back to the Primetime Power Show, live on Primetime Power Radio, show number 268, the 6th annual MLK Tribute Show. I want to thank you for being a part of the broadcast tonight. As you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has been the theme of this entire show. We've had some great discussion. But if you want to join the discussion as well, the Primetime Power Line is open, 610-574-0513. Once again, the Primetime Power Line, 610-574-0513. So we're going to pick up on... In regards to the bio or MLK, we're going to focus on now the education and spiritual growth portion. So in 1948, Martin Luther King Jr. earned a sociology degree from Morehouse College mm. and attended the liberal Crozer Theological Seminary in Chester, Pennsylvania. He thrived in all his studies and was valedictorian of his class in 1951 and elected student body president as well. He also earned a fellowship for graduate study, but Martin also rebelled against his father's more conservative influence by drinking beer and playing pool Uh-oh. while in college. Did y'all know that? Uh-oh. Did y'all know I'm okay? Did that? Was he in Chester? <laughs> was he in Chester? Was that Crozier? You, you know, when you get close to Philly. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, all of a sudden, you want to loosen up. Come on, your father. He was still a young man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was a young man. Don't worry about your father. He'd be all right. We won't tell. Was he in a fraternity? It it doesn't say. It just says that. They probably didn't have fraternity. Yeah, it doesn't say. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, so, you know, he hung out with the fellas. You know, drunk a few beers. Played some pool. Patch blue ribbon. So, the, the other part is, you know, some people might be surprised by this um i'm just i took this off the biography.com it's not my writing i just want to put that disclaimer, <laughs> out there. disclaimer. <laughs> so the next part you know so we said you know he was drinking beer and playing pool in college his dad didn't like that obviously because he was much more conservative he probably didn't do neither right right but then it said later in college he became involved with a white woman and went through a difficult time okay, that's the end of that. before he bro- broke it broke off so people wasn't feeling that relationship back then <laughs> But, you know, I mean, it, it goes to show you that, you know, uh, MLK, you know, he was a regular guy. You know, people didn't have him back he, then. He did different things. and But at the end of the She's day, a than you, that's you know. <laughs> oh, oh, you didn't say that. Uh, all right, the we're, we're, we're going to continue. <laughs> so we're going to get past that. So during his last yeah, year in seminary, that. 
Martin Luther King Jr. came under the guidance of Morehouse College president Benjamin E. Mays, who influenced King's spiritual development. Mays was an outspoken advocate for racial equality and encouraged King to view Christianity as a potential force for social change. After being accepted at several colleges for his doctoral study, including Yale and Edinburgh in Scotland, King enrolled in Boston University. So during that work of his doctrine, Martin Luther King Jr. met Coretta Scott, Bang. an aspiring singer and musician at the New England Conservatory School in Boston. You going to shut up. So they were married in June 1953 and had how many children, y'all think? Four. Ah, ding, ding, ding. Get a man a prize. We don't have any, but that's all right. He had four children. Yolanda, Martin, King, Martin Luther King III, Dexter Scott, mm-hmm. and Bernice. In 1954, while still working on his uh, dissertation, King became pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church of Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. He completed his PhD and and was his award and was awarded his degree in 1955. He did all that by the age of 25 years old. Wow. Yes. So as we as you alluded to, uh, we're going to talk about the Montgomery bus boycott a bit. So on March 2nd, 1955, a 15-year-old girl refused to give up her seat to a white man on a Montgomery City bus in violation of local law. Claudette Coven, that's, mm-hmm. who you, that's the name mm-hmm. that she was talking about, was arrested and taken to jail. At first, the local chapter of the NAACP felt they had an excellent test case to challenge Montgomery's segregated bus policy, but then it was revealed that she was pregnant and civil rights leaders feared this was scandalized the deeply religious black community and made Coven and Dustin Groove's efforts less credible in the eyes of sympathetic whites. Wow. I want to get your perspective as a woman and in relation to that. Do you think they made the right decision at that time? Um, now, how would you feel as a woman? You know, you're pregnant with a child. You're 15 years old. I know, you know, just that perception. We, we know. Right. I mean, nowadays it's not like that. But back then, right. that was a thing that was shamed upon and, and was considered like, you know, not right. a, not Taboo. a not a good you know not a good thing. Yeah. Do you, do you think they made the right decision, or do you think they should have just said, "Hey, you know what? That it doesn't matter. No, it, they it made does, the right it, that shouldn't matter what where she is as far right. as you know being pregnant. What mattered is what happened to her when she didn't refuse her seat. Today, I think that it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, I said, but but back then. It mattered not only because um, she probably was unwed and and Mm. pregnant, but because, I mean, um, women had babies younger than they were. um, Men could choose them as their wives or their girlfriends and have babies. So that's not the issue. I think the issue uh, primarily was her safety. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that um, you didn't know what was going to happen once they get her in prison, they could have killed her or you know whatever harm they was going to do to her so i don't think so much the fact that um it was because of a shame because back then girls was having babies 12 and 13 years old Mm -hmm. and they were uh men came to their families and they Mm -hmm. were given to them as you know they they kind of bartered uh back and forth they gave them something for their uh, wives uh for the young girls especially if they Mm -hmm. were younger because they were stronger Mm -hmm. and they could do whatever they could do Mm -hmm. so i think that um i think back then i don't think that was the issue i think the issue was to keep her safe 
Yeah. Um, so what's, what's interesting, as you mentioned, you know, it really doesn't get noted in history. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of people know it was just a 15-year-old good. Right. They probably couldn't name who she was. Right. Um, so that happened in March 2nd, 1955. Obviously, we know towards the end of the year, December 1st, 1955, they got another chance to make their case. And that evening, it, then there was a 42-year-old Rosa Parks. Yeah, she boarded the Cleveland Avenue bus to go from home from an exhausting day at work. She sat in the front row of the colored section in the middle of the bus. Yeah, they they, was, they really had that, y'all, mm-hmm, back then. Mm-hmm. As the bus traveled its route, all the seats, um, the white section was filled up. Then several more white passengers boarded the bus. So the bus driver noted that there were several white men standing, and he demanded that Parks and several other African-Americans give up their seat. Three other African-American passengers reluctantly gave up their places, but Parks remained seated. She was tired. Yep. Yep, and that's what it was. That was the main thing. Uh, And then the driver asked her again to give up her seat, and again she said no. She refused. So Parks... Obviously, they, after that, she was arrested. She was booked for violating the Montgomery City Code. At her trial a week later, in a 30-minute hearing, Parks was found guilty and fined $10 and assessed $4 in court fees. So on the night that Rosa Parks was arrested, E.D. Nixon, head of the local NAACP chapter, he met with Martin Luther King Jr. and other local civil rights leaders to plan a citywide bus boycott. Mm-hmm. King was then elected to lead the boycott oh, because he was young, because he yep. was well-trained, yep. with solid connections, and had professional standing. He was also new to the community and had few enemies. So it was felt he would have strong credibility with the black community. So mm-hmm. in his first speech as the group's president, King declared, we have no alternative but to protest. For many years, we have shown an amazing patience. We have sometimes given our white brothers the feeling that we liked the way we were being treated. But we come here tonight to be saved from the patience that makes us patient with anything less than freedom and justice. So Martin Luther King Jr. fresh and skillful rhetoric put a new energy into the civil rights struggle in Alabama. So the bus boycott would be 382 days of walking to work. Not only that, being harassed. Violence and intimidation from the Montgomery's African-American community. Both King's and E.D. Nixon's homes were attacked as well. But the African-American community also took legal action against the city ordinance, arguing that it was unconstitutional based on the Supreme Court's separate is not equal decision in Brown versus Mm -hmm. Board of Education. After being defeated in several lower court rulings and suffering large financial losses, the city of Montgomery lifted the law mandating segregation, public transportation. So that was the start of MLK. Having an influence and an impact, and and showing tremendous wow. leadership and you know persistence, and 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 caught and causing the change. Mm-hmm. I'm almost certain that probably was when the Greyhound buses. I'm I'm almost certain that was when the Greyhound buses started. When I think it was the Greyhound buses. Oh really? Okay. Well, it wasn't a local. It wasn't a local. I, um, I think it was Greyhound. Oh, that's interesting. That is. You know, who who would? Yeah. Wow. Who would have thought? Thought that right? Because because I, I yeah. remember seeing a dog on the jammy so mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Wow, you know, and I, and I and the, and the Rosa Park thing. That's you know, I'm glad that uh, they didn't use the young lady because they probably would have killed her. Oh yeah, they, you know, because oh, prison they would they would just like they did. It was we got Emma Smith, the one mm-hmm. that they burned and beat yeah, together. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. yeah, they would have did that. They, and they and it's amazing because still to today, 
a couple of years ago, they just dragged somebody and burned them in the back of a truck. Mm-hmm. You know, so this, they, they still got this thing the in their mind mindset. that they can do what they want. It ain't right. that kind of party right. no more. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Just hypothetically. We know, we know that how we were treated uh, by the white mm-hmm. um, people. So why is it, do you think, that African-American women um, think that they're so pretty that they need to emulate them? My only guess is what I've been saying throughout the show, just the perception aspect of it. They may think that's what's going to appeal to the man in some shape and form because maybe they've seen examples of, you know, other races, you know how they say, (laughs) taking their men. Right. And so they think to level the playing field to, obviously we know that's absolutely false, but, you know, to have an opportunity or a chance to be seen in, in the same form, same manner, maybe that's why that begin to evolve. Okay. But I think just the, it's just the perception, you know, because it get, we get inundated with it so much that it begins to brainwash us and we believe, like, that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how we're supposed to look. That's how we're supposed to talk and how that's we're supposed better. to be. Yeah. That is, and it's then it's considered better. better. Yeah. Because somebody else said it, it's better. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then they said yeah. it continuously and the, constantly. And then and then it was always promoted that way. Well, all your leaders look like that. Right. So yeah. so yeah. all you know, your school teacher look like that. Everybody kind of everybody that you were supposed to respect um looked that way. I, I, I feel though that back then the um the Afro American woman felt intimidated by the white woman because simple fact is, wow, look at this. And us and, and we and we got and us as black men, we looked at the white woman like uh, wow, she white. So it was it was the pattern of if I get that white woman, I have accomplished something because he thinks she better. If I get her, hey, it was a perception that she's yeah. the grand prize, right? That's what it was. Yeah. And and that yeah. and she's taboo. You you mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. not supposed to be. Um, yeah. So it was like I'm gonna stick it right. I'm gonna yeah. stick it to you, right? Yeah. Right. Just right. Stick it to her. It's, it's yeah, just yeah. Am- it's mm-hmm. just amazing because mm-hmm. you know you see a a, a very dark skin. Uh, African American with a, a platinum blonde mm-hmm. uh, wig on, and she's young, and her mom is something. No one said anything mm-hmm. to say that you know what. Listen, mm-mm. that. Mm-mm. Well, I'm glad mm-mm. you know. But I, I'm glad that they said black. Then you know, black is beautiful, brown is hip, that type stuff. Uh, when it, you know, black is beautiful. And I'm glad that culture brought it out because I still think today that some of our Afro American women still feel intimidated by the white woman, even and on vice the job, versa. You know, so. Yeah, and 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 vice versa. Because mm-hmm. listen here, really, it's the opposite. Okay. Because they're getting injections and and altering altering their bodies and and stuff to look like it from their lips to their rear ends, um, uh, to look like somebody that they hate. Not the Kardashians, right? You know, yeah, definitely. Okay. And so that. and so, <laughs> and so they do that, and then the perception that that the African American male mm-hmm. is this. You know this big animal, that that lack of a better word. Like Ben Reen. But that is just like Ben Reen. Ben Reen. What's the, the dude? Ben oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought you said Ben Vereen. I was. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought, when I is thought, that? I thought, I thought he said that too. I was like, I don't. You know where men were portrayed in slavery like animals. They mm-hmm. were portrayed in 
treating them like they were a horse. They, you know, got them up on yeah, the block. Yeah, but they were so strong. And but stuff. they were, they, yeah. you know, they were pure muscle. But it was just a mentality that he was an animal, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm so they wanted sell to him like he's an animal. Look at him. He's a because of the, the physical differences. Yeah, right. you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And when I used to see those kind of <laughs> slavery movies, it used to just break my you got sound effects here. heart. You know, yeah. <laughs> but you see, know? that's the see from my perspective. A woman's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the African American, the the uh, Caucasian man is more feminine. He's more onto his feminine side. <clears throat> Not he's gay. I'm just saying he's just to his feminine <laughs> side because they don't they don't have they. Uh, that's so, what, what, so the, audience. So, if you disagree, call the prime yeah. time power line five seven four zero five one three. Because we looking at her sideways. But African American <laughs> men. Or black men from slavery worked hard, so you know they worked out, and so they still work out. They just they just more masculine. What? Do, do, do. They're more masculine. I don't care what you say. Blue eyes are soft. <laughs> you know what I mean? Blonde you know hair what? is soft. <laughs> it's, it's but, a... but the Italians have dark hair <laughs> and dark yeah. skin. They are more masculine <laughs> than the ones with blue eyes and blonde hair. I just think that when a white person grows up in a black neighborhood, he thinks he's black. You know, we well, that's 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 his culture influence. Okay, I don't I don't know I don't know how you can kind of shake shake that shake. off. Yeah. I mean, hard, yeah, I mean we we see it the other way around too. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let's let's keep it real. You know right. what I'm when saying? We grow up in their neighborhood. We yeah. talk different. Yeah, proper Stop as they it, say, bro. proper like you know. Uh-huh. You're so a product it, of their environment. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care right? who you are. Uh-huh. I mean, my just just my opinion. I don't care what race you are. If if you're exposed to a certain culture, you're gonna mm-hmm. be like that. Yeah. You're gonna be the influence is gonna be there. It's, gonna yeah. be it's like almost impossible. I've right. never That's right. seen that not happen. Well, okay. So if I if we put if we put um, changed we changed the projects to all white, Uh-oh. you think we would have the same outcome? Yes. Me too. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I do. Me too. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Got it now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah. And if everything is stays that remains the same, same right? Social, economic, all yes. that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But is it is it true that it's more low income white people than black people? Absolutely. Okay. Well, it's the population. Right. right. That's right. that. It's it's because of the you know the, it's the ratio. Yeah. 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 That yeah. You don't see just like when they talk about welfare, they always targeted the african-american community but right. really in in a racial perspective yeah. white america is more dominates by far they yeah. got us over several hundred percent more mm-hmm. okay by numbers but you'll never you'll never really right the stats don't show it but <laughs> right all you gotta do is go to supermarket out up in um montgomery county or lehigh county all you have to do is go to their supermarket well, and what? that little green card is very popular so you oh, know yeah. what right. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's very, it's very popular. What's it, what it called? It? ETM, whatever. It's yeah, access card. You know what it's That's called. That's what I call that. Yeah. Green card. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. ETM. He changed his environment. Uh, All of a sudden, he don't know uh, what it means. Boof. Right? <laughs> was it ETM? Uh, or something? You know what it is. Well, I know got a lot of money on it. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> you ain't borrow a couple of them cars. Did you? Right. Can't get them today. They ain't giving, you know, you I'm going to the store with you today. Yeah, you need to take my I, card. Hey, 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 I'm so I'm good with it. You good with it? Is it more? The population in prison, is it more white people in prison or is it, is it more blacks? Unfortunately, there's more African-Americans in the inner city prisons. Okay. 
Now, when you start getting on a federal level, right, 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 a different ratio. Yeah. Okay. State level, federal, but and white collar. Yeah, but mm-hmm. in the inner city, we dominate the in the the county prisons. Okay. By mm. far. All right, so we're going to take a break. I want to get a few more excerpts in because we're getting um, close to the 9 o'clock hour. Um, So we're going to take a break on the Primetime Power Show. Discussion, MLK Tribute Show, 6th anniversary. been some great discussion. Remember, the Primetime Power line is open, 610-574-0513. Don't be scared. Yeah, yeah you, I mean, hey, it's, it's been some interesting be stuff. Don't be scared. I know they kind of personal commentary and opinions. Don't be afraid. You know, <laughs> challenge one of us. I'm not afraid of any man. We'll be afraid. We'll be right back. <laughs>
stand before the God of history and we will talk in terms of things we've done yes we will be able to say we build gargantuan bridges to span the seas we build gigantic buildings to kiss the skies yes we made our submarines to penetrate oceanic depths we brought, brought into being many other things with our scientific and technological power. And it seems that I can hear the God of history saying, that was not enough. But I was hungry, and ye fed me not. I was naked, and ye clothed me not. I was devoid of a decent sanitary house to live in, and ye provided no shelter for me, and consequently you cannot enter the kingdom of greatness. If ye do it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye do it unto me. That's a question 
facing America today. And welcome back to the Primetime Power Show live on Primetime Power Radio. Thank you for being a part of the broadcast show number 268, the 6th annual MLK tribute show. For those that want to call the Primetime Power Line for your reasons out there, the number is 610-574-0513. We will take your call. We have about uh, probably about 20 minutes left in the show. So we're going to next go to the bio portion in regards to MLK, the I Have a Dream speech. So in the spring of 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. organized a demonstration in downtown Birmingham, Alabama. Entire families attended. City police turned dogs and fire hoses Mm -hmm. on the demonstrators. Martin Luther King was jailed along with large numbers of his supporters, but the event drew nationwide attendance. However, King was personally criticized by black and white clergy alike for taking risks and endangering the children who attended the the demonstration. Mm From the jail in Birmingham, King eloquently spelled out his theory of nonviolence. Nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and foster such attention that a community which has constantly refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue. By the end of the Birmingham campaign, Martin Luther King Jr. and his supporters were making plans for a massive demonstration on a national's capital composed of multiple organizations all asking for peaceful change. On August 28, 1963, the historic march on Washington drew more than 200,000 people in the shadow of the Lincoln Memorial. It was here that King made his famous I Have a Dream speech, emphasizing his belief that someday all men could be brothers. So I'm going to pass it to you, Paul Earthquake Moore, because mm. this fits right into what you're going to do on the MLK Day. So let our audience know what you have scheduled um, on that day, January 20th, uh, Monday, 2020. On, on MLK Day? Well, you know, on MLK Day, as you know, they always say it's a day on, not a day off. But to me, it's just a day of service, of doing something that's constructive. I decided to put something together that I'm always doing a Martin Luther King speech, marching down Woodland Avenue, on the New Fellowship Baptist Church. Well, that has completely changed. This year, it's going to be at the 12th Police Station. It's called Passages from Jail. I will be in the actual jail cell and be released in the jail cell from the 12th District by an officer who will then say, Mr. King, you're free to go at that particular time. But let me just back up a little bit. We will do a little mini-march about three blocks. We will do a march from 62nd Woodland to 65th Street. Once we get close to 65th Street, an officer should lock me up and take me right into the jail cell. And at that time, going into the jail cell, I'll be there for about a good 10, 15 minutes, then the protesters or the people out there, free, free Dr. King, free Dr. King. In the meantime, the officer will come, release me from prison, say, Mr. King, you are free to go. At that particular time, being free to go, I will be escorted to the pulpit or the, where the mic is at. And eventually I had a dream speech. But meantime, as I'm doing that, simple fact, I wanted to do the simple fact is it's a symbolic gesture. That's one. And it's doing something at real time and real action. I I just wanted this, just to let people know that, you know, there was other segments of King's life that need to be portrayed. 
you know, and, and this is the first time at any police station, any district, even around the world, that a speech has actually came, King being released from jail at a police station, physical police station, and to render that I had a dream speech. I just felt it in my heart to do that. I was thinking about it and talking about it, and I was praying on it and praying on it. And, you know, again, it is cold out there. It is cold out there, and Reverend Penn, you can contest to that because the march we did in Boston Village was about two degrees, <laughs> and we did do it, and you know, and uh, we we did it, and we actually did it. Um, but I just think that it's it's a wake up call for some people that had their children off, and some of the schools are off, a lot of schools are off, and a lot of people ain't doing nothing. A lot of people aren't working that you day know? either, and you'll yeah. be inside the police station, and and it's something you make. You might not want. To yeah, do that. you might. Yeah, <laughs> they, they might. Want to make sure they don't have any statuses that might. <laughs> well, no, I, 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 I think that seeing that, being at the police station, I just think that it's something different. It's just a whole different concept, you know. Uh, doing the march again, walking down Woodland Avenue, marching New Fellowship back to church, and going in the pulpit. I just wanted to change it this year. It's something you got to lean on my heart just to change. I guess being a visionary, just to do something different. And I and I ran it by people. What do you think about this? You know, and I was just telling. Uh, Reverend Mann and Reverend Penn, before you got here, that I was saying some of the stuff to a senior citizen, and she looked at me like, keep going, don't stop. Because the senior citizens seemed to love that. And I'm sure you remember when we had the, the one, we had the, um, the KKK in the church and mm -hmm. the, the reaction that the people gave you at the church. So just give us a little bit, how you felt about that? You know, some of the things that we did at church besides the other uh, infraction. I, I think for many of the older crowd it, it's more reality because yeah. they 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 lived it mm -hmm. it it's unlike trying to teach the younger generations to help them to get a glimpse of it but these folk they it was like yesterday mm -hmm. i remember when he got killed i mean mm -hmm. i remember so clearly when they announced it and so we we remember those days and 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 so it, it brings a reality. We're still, I think maybe we're still living the reality of it. Mm -hmm. And so when we see the stuff that's happening around us and that racism is still, still alive, right. we know progress was made, but we know what it took to get us to this point. Mm -hmm. But we don't know what it's going to take to get us to the next hurdle because yeah. we, we don't have a another strong runner like King that, that was pushing mm -hmm. this, this effort. Mm -hmm. So... I just think that it it brought the reality of this thing to bear, and, and I feel so bad because you talk to some of our young folk today, mm -hmm. and they have no idea who, he is. who King is. They don't. All they know is what he did. Yeah. And that's heart wrenching. That yeah. each gen and so mm -hmm. you wonder what's wrong with our generation, mm -hmm. and you wonder why we have so many of them in cars. Is that each generation we're losing the dynamics of what made us who we are. You know we're, what? We're losing. Yeah, they 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 need to be reminded that they're the beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. <laughs> I was amazed really? of the great sacrifice. Really? See, you know, <laughs> even going to school in yeah. our day, we mm -hmm. we we had almost segregated schools because boy, we had to walk through the white neighborhood, uh, and they were the they were cruel, Especially and we were children, mm -hmm. man. I, I never forget this. Now, if you don't mind me just sharing, it's one of the most heart wrenching experiences was. During the summer, for summer camp, we would take the kids to Fairmont Park. Mm -hmm. There was an a older, um, well, we were teenagers, but there was an older camp counselor that had just come to the neighborhood. He wanted to go up 25th Street through 25th and Popular to get mm. to Lemon Hill. I won't mention his name, but we said, listen, man, 
Yeah. Don't take these kids mm-hmm. this way. Now, we know how to get there. We can go down Fairmount Avenue and don't take these kids this way. Mm-hmm. He didn't listen. We he brought the kids right through one of the right through Brown Street. Ooh. Those boys came out from yeah. the corners. They had cans for. They were taking their belts off like they were wrestlers. Wow. Mm-hmm. I never seen belts so big in my life. And we were kids. We had children with us. We had about forty kids, and they were just pulling the belts off. And they were going to whip us. But what they didn't, some of the neighbors came out and said, leave those kids alone. But they still threw bottles. Oh, yeah. We got around the children to try to prevent the kids from getting hit with the Coke wow. bottles. If that just didn't, I, I never forgot that. And so we got those kids out of that neighborhood. And it was the worst gang war that followed after that. Because when the, oh, yeah. when, the when the hood boys found, found out, out what happened to them. It was on. But the point is that they had no regard for the children. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never mm-hmm. saw nothing like that in my life, man. And it was, what? to this day, I walk through the neighborhood. Every once in a while, I'll drive through there on a sunny afternoon. Mm-hmm. Just because it just Reminisce had so like much. this is what really, you know. And and wow. this stuff, is so, so when you, you talk about why the older folk, reacted when you did the play like that because it, it they, they know the reality of it we've seen mm-hmm. it we've experienced it man it mm-hmm. was a part of mm-hmm. our, our culture man mm-hmm. you know so that's mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. we know what it takes mm-hmm. right and so i'm gonna be honest with you i tell my kids love who you want but remember who you are right okay i like that okay yes Make sense? Yes. And, yes, I, and, I, I, and mm-hmm. I mean that because I think some of our kids have lost their sense the of identity. identity. Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, uh, and another reason why, though, because 25 years ago, we couldn't walk on Woodland Avenue. It was so racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could not walk on Woodland Avenue. And I know when I played community clause on Woodland Avenue, the first thing they said is, we don't want no niggas on Woodland Avenue playing any kind of clause. Mm-hmm. You know, and Lou, Lou Frederick that has a store, more for less, mm-hmm. said, quick, you can do it in my store. He said, you was you had enough guts to do it because I didn't figure nobody would want to do it, but I'm like, it didn't bother me. Let's just do it. So I did. That's where community clause came from, Woodland Avenue. But I just also wanted to know. And again, the police station is the first time there is any station, you know. And you mentioned uh, the new police commissioner, Coulter, you know, not Coulter, what's her name? The, the young lady. Outlaw. Miss Outlaw. Uh, you know, even if Miss Outlaw's in town, we want to invite her to it too, you know. It's just that making a statement and some of the guys on the job were saying, and some of the the uh, staff said, we want to come. We want to bring our kids because this is different. We've never seen this before. But it is different, you mm-hmm. know. And, and I just try to just give them something to remember when they get there, you know. I think that the, the part I, that really gets to me is I, the, the prison cell. When I told my man, the reporter, I said, uh, I want to be locked up. When I went to the 12th district, I want to go in the cell. They said, white guy, white, white officer said, no, you cannot go back there near the cell. I'm like, that. I said, listen, well, your captain approved it already. You can't go back there. Just call the captain. That's all you got to do. We eliminate all that. So the two white, sar- the two black sergeants came in. They were sisters and said, "Well, why can't he go back to the cell? He want to go back. Let him go back there. Mm-hmm. You know." So, so one officer says, "You know why he's going back there? It's the letter from Birmingham, Alabama jail." Then, the, then they start saying, "What? That's what he's doing. He's doing a reenactment." And the officer says, "I worked that day. I want to be here for that man." So, you know, it's, it's, it's just putting it out there, you know. And I like the, the graphic that Reverend May put up. I, I like it. It's like, the boy's mm-hmm. a genius. We're going to have to pay you one day. But um, <laughs> um, I'll take that. <laughs> you know, I ain't going to probably no cheese steak. That might take three years. Oh, uh, but, so the uh, money going to take 10. <laughs> Another got, decade. It's gonna Another be, decade. He's going to do but me like Wimpy. Yeah. <laughs> I plan to pay you on two. Uh, so, uh, 
<laughs> and, I, and I like that, uh, Miss uh, Christine, that you put it out on the 51st Street you know, Award thing. I seen mm-hmm. that you put it out there. You, you know, I just wanted to spread, you know, and I just told Mr. to mention it today, but it's just kind of different. You know, my boy gave me the PCAP that I'm going to be wearing, and, the, and a photographer friend of mine said, listen, can I be there? He's actually a photographer, and a news writer, but he said, can I be there? Just take, because they had writers back there, they asked came for a speech and said, oh, yeah, you can come on out do your thing. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. we're going to make this realistic as we can get it, you know. And so they have something to go back to school and tell somebody this is what we did and we did this. This dress warm because it's going to be cold. Yeah, it's going to be 32 it, degrees to high you know, you know, on, on, on Monday. So. I'm going to be dressed warm, inside, trust right? me. Yeah, yeah at least it's going to be more, more of an indoor. Or indoor. Be outside <laughs> yeah. for, huh? I said it's, it's going to be at least more of an indoor. Yeah, yeah, the outdoor. outdoor yeah. Make sure walk down, you walk down, and people block would be so quick. You'd be like, "We here already." <laughs> Make sure somebody videos it for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say that. I'm gonna try to get. I'm gonna try to get. Uh, get a video. The young man we had him when when they had the team. Yeah, and maybe and maybe get a backup too. Yeah, I'm gonna need that. Too. Yeah, I, yeah. Because then you get, can, get, can, get, can get a couple, little, get a couple people. Can't be in another little world. We probably yeah. have to do the station now. Because yeah, that'd be awesome. Movie. You know, you get all that, and then we we then, could put something together to okay. share. Then, you know, then, then you recap it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I right, agree. So it's gonna be pretty nice. You know, awesome. and, uh, like I said, you don't inform Fifty First Water, and uh, I sent it to different people. I don't send it all over. So. I sent it to Bartram. Okay. Beautiful. John mm-hmm. So you know it's on social media. Mm-hmm. It's on it's on your page, uh, Primetime Power Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, PaulEarquickMore.com. You can get the information as well. You can download a flyer if you want to print it, share it with a friend. So I think it's fitting at this time we're gonna we're gonna kind of wrap up, but right. at this time we're gonna play a portion of the "I Have a Dream" speech. Then we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna have some closing comments, and we'll conclude the sixth annual uh, Martin Luther King tribute. Hey. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners Will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. But my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with its governor 
having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together this is our hope this is the faith that I go back to the south with with this faith we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope with this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning my country tears of thee sweet land of liberty of thee i sing land where my fathers died land of the pilgrims pride from every mountainside let freedom ring and if america is to be a great nation this must become true and so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of new hampshire let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And welcome back to the Primetime Power Show live on Primetime Power Radio. want to thank all of you out there for being a part of the 6th Annual MLK Tribute Show tonight on the Primetime Power Show live on Primetime Power Radio. Just want to uh, thank everyone on my team, you know, for the discussion and sharing their thoughts. Um, just wanted to 
say a few of the famous quotes that MLK are is known for, memorable quotes. Um, one was, if you can't fly, then run. Mm-hmm. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, Move. whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Another one is, the ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but the silence over that by the good people. Mm. Another one is, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. And justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. The time is always right to do what is right. Nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Hatred paralyzes life. Love releases it. Hatred confuses life. Love harmonizes it. Hatred darkens life. Love illuminates it. I'm concerned about a better world. I'm concerned about justice. I'm concerned about brotherhood. I'm concerned about truth. And when one is concerned about that, he can never advocate violence. For through violence, you may murder a murderer, but you can't murder murder. Through violence, you may murder a liar, but you can't establish truth. Through violence, you may murder a hater, but you can't murder hate through violence. Darkness cannot put out darkness. Only light can do that. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And finally, this one. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. All great quotes from Martin Luther King Jr. Just final comments. Anybody want to jump in to share? And then we're going to close out with a, with a tribute at the end. I just love everything you just read. I think that's, that's it. That, in a nutshell, that, just, that capitalized everything right there. I'm speechless. Well, I'll just say that we'll forever Great cherish wisdom. his yeah. work and we'll forever cherish the words that, that has made our country and our lives what it is. Okay. So that's going to do it for us on the Primetime Power Show. We do have a, a tribute that we're going to play, uh, Man in the Mirror MLK tribute. We did play it last year, but we always find it fitting to play it towards the end. So that's going to wrap it up for us. I'm Derek no, May. That's right. And that's Paul Urquid Moore. Here you go. I'm Christina Williams. <laughs> and I'm Bass Pemmel. You've been listening to the Primetime Power Show on Primetime Power Radio, sixth annual MLK tribute show in the books. Right now, we'll share our MLK tribute. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read. Of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read. Of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read. That the greatness of America is the right to protest far right.
today, how long will it take? I come to say to you this afternoon, however difficult the moment, however frustrating the hour, it will not be long, because no lie can live forever. How long? Not long. Because you shall reap what you sow. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Tonight is your answer. 